Junior high students, good to see you back here. We're in our third part of the sermon series we're calling Spiritual Superpowers um, from Philippians 4. And the reason we're calling them Spiritual Superpowers is because superpowers and supernatural things go together. If you notice the backstories in most of those superhero movies, there's some kind of supernatural, crazy empowerment for them to do those crazy things they do and to have the powers they do. And it's not much different with the Christian life. To do the things that God wants us to do, there needs to be some supernatural backing. And God promises to give us that. And today we're gonna talk about a passage that might be really, really familiar to you. You might have it um, up on a plaque in your house. You might know it. You might have memorized it and sent in a video to us, which is awesome. Um, but it's a passage, Philippians 4, 6 and 7, which talks about God giving peace. Um, it starts out with saying, don't be anxious, but instead pray and trust God and the peace of God that surpasses all understanding will guard our hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Well, that's the third spiritual superpower we want to look at is peace. What does it look like to have peace, especially here, especially now in the world that seems like it's been turned on its head? So I want you to open up in your Bibles to Philippians chapter four. Philippians chapter four, verses six and seven. That's all we're gonna cover. Covering these um, two verses, it's funny how we, we planned this so long ago, but it's worked out so well because um, we've just been taking a little bite-sized piece at a time every week, and I'm really excited to be able to dig in here. Philippians chapter four, um, Thanks to those of you who memorized it and sent in a video. We're gonna do a, a pizza and ice cream party at some point. I don't know when that's gonna be. Uh, it might be one month, two months, three months, I don't know. Um, but whenever we get back, we are gonna to get together and we're gonna do that. So uh, we talked about last week how in verse five, Paul said that the Lord is at hand. That was how we finished the sermon last week. Those are the last words we saw. And then that leads into this sermon. Um, that leads into this uh, verse verse six says, um, right after it says, the Lord is at hand, it says, do not be anxious about anything. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. What this means is that instead of being anxious and worried and concerned about things and, and sitting in that position, right? You know what it means to, to, to kind of sit and stew in, in a fear or a concern or a worry, right? That's what he calls anxiety here. He says, don't be anxious about anything. That doesn't mean don't care about anything. In fact, Paul actually uses this word for anxiety earlier in Philippians 2.20 when he was talking about um, Timothy. He said, for I have no one like him who will be genuinely concerned for your welfare. Now, you didn't see it in there in English, but in the original language, it's right there. It's the same word. Genuinely concerned is translated that in Philippians 2.20, but in Philippians 4.6, it's translated anxious. Now, he's not saying don't care about anything. Clearly, he loves the fact that Timothy cares about them and is almost, almost anxious for them to, to do good. This kind of anxiety is a sinful concern. Right, I want you to, to recognize this. Um, what Paul's talking about here is a sinful concern, and any concern could become sinful over time. Right? Think about this. Right? If you think about anxiety, anxiety and concerns 
turn into sin when instead of taking them and trusting the Lord and forsaking that anxiety and that worry and that fear, you hang on to it and you keep worrying and then it becomes a sinful thing in our lives. And that's why Paul says, don't be anxious. And he doesn't just say, don't be anxious about some things or the small things or the big things. He says, don't be anxious about anything. And that only makes sense for Christians. I know we've talked about that before, but um, if you're not a Christian, if you're not a person who trusts in Christ, there is a lot to be anxious about, right? Paul, or Jesus even said in, in the book of Luke that you should be anxious about the Lord because um, you shouldn't fear those who kill the body and afterwards they have nothing to do with it. You should fear the one who can kill the body and kill the soul, and that's God. You should be fearful about that. But for real Christians, and that's who Paul's talking to, he says, don't be anxious about anything. That anxiety, like I said, is a sinful concern. So I want you to think about it that way. And I want you to write this down for point number one, repent of sinful concerns. Repent of sinful concerns. I'm using that word repent because it's a, it's a strong word because that's exactly what some of us need to do. We need to repent of our sinful concerns. If we're fearful or worried about things, and instead of taking those to God, like he's going to say later in the passage, and hanging on to them and, and trying to deal with them on our own or trying to fix all these issues or problems on our own, it becomes fearful, sinful concerns. Uh, Paul's not saying that we should be careless or um, carefree even. And, and that, that it's so important because some people will look at this passage and say, okay, I know how to not be anxious. I will cover my eyes. I will cover my ears. I will not worry about anyone or anything. I'll just be carefree. Nothing matters. Um, that's not what Paul's saying. He's actually talked all about how um, they've had concern for him. He's had concern for them. We should be concerned about being humble and selfless and patient with other Christians. I mean, we got a lot of things to be concerned about. So he's not saying don't care or be concerned about anything. He's telling us to reject this sinful concern. Basically, stop worrying, stop fretting, stop um, acting like God is not in control. He's saying that you need to change that um, state of mind. You need to change that attitude. Jesus talked about anxiety, and I think you might have already known I'm going to go to this passage, but I want you to turn to Matthew chapter 6. I'm going to turn along on my Bible, so I'd love for you to grab your Bible and turn to Matthew chapter 6, where Jesus talks about anxiety. He gives some helpful pointers and even some helpful reminders of how anxiety um, is not just a sin that exists on its own. Anxiety really shows a bigger problem. Check it out in uh, Matthew chapter 6. Look at verse 25. Matthew 6, 25. It says, Therefore, I tell you, do not be anxious about your life. Same idea. Don't be anxious with the sinful concerns about, in this situation, he says, your life. And he defines that. What you'll eat and what you'll drink or about your body and what you'll put on. Is not life more than food, and the body more than clothing? And then he says, Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? He's basically saying, Look, by your anxiety and your worrying, you're showing something. You're showing that you don't trust God. And that's the biggest problem with being fearful and worried and anxious. You're showing that you don't trust God. And that's why Jesus says, you got, take an example, look at the birds. Even the birds have you know, their worms and their food or whatever they eat. I mean, God takes care of them. 
if God takes care of those birds, he's going to take care of you. He cares about you even more. And that's what he says. Look at verse, um, the next verse, verse 27. He says, in which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to his span of life? Right, we are in what's called a pandemic right now, where uh, we've got a disease that can um, potentially kill some people, and it's deadly for some. Uh, we're in a pandemic. Right? I want you to think about something. If I told you, I want you to extend your lifespan, what would you do to try to extend your lifespan, right? to live longer than God has allowed you to live? Right? Can you do that? Can you wash your hands? Can you use hand sanitizer? Can you, you know, social distance until you're 95 years old? Right? Ultimately, right, God has already set your birthday and your death day. There's nothing you can do to extend it at all. Think about that. Uh, there, there's so many things that we can do to, you know, extend, you know, your um, you know, expected life expectancy, right? But that's just statistics. Um, that's not what God has planned for you. God's plan is set and it's sure, right? And if you want to do that, um, get to the day you die and then try to fake God out and push that that death day back. We can't do it. Right? God has already ordained our beginning and our end. All of our days are written in God's book. They're done. And, and we'd be foolish to act like God is not in control. And when these people are worrying about their lifespan, they're showing that they don't trust that God is in control. Right? And maybe you're thinking, well, I'm concerned about this. Um, there's real concerns, right? There's a place for fear over things that are, are rational. And, and I'll, I'll give you that, right? If, you're, if there's a lion in the road, right, you should be a little bit of afraid, right? But even if there's a lion in the road, even if you're in a really tough spot, if you take that fear and hang on to it and you don't turn to God and you don't trust God, it becomes sin. Do you see that? How uh, when, when you're afraid of something, or you're concerned about something, even if it's small, if it's small or big, right? And you don't take it to God, it becomes sin. And what he says here is, um, you can't add a single hour to your life. Verse 28 says, "And why are you being anxious about your clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, so flowers on on a hillside. Imagine, you know, those um, the really yellow flowers that are kind of on our hills right now. It's funny; it looks really good outside, um, and." You, we're not really allowed to be outside all that often. Um, it would be really fun too. But anyway, um, you look at those 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 lilies and those um, those flowers. It says, "Look how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. They don't work to grow. They don't really do anything. Yet I tell you, even Solomon in all of his glory was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is alive and tomorrow is thrown in the oven, will He not much more clothe you?" Oh, you of little faith. And that's the problem with our anxiety right there. Jesus calls us, oh, you of little faith. That's the issue. I don't want to be a person who has little faith because I don't trust God. Right? I don't want you to be a person who has little faith because you don't trust God. Right? And our worry and our anxiety shows that. Keep reading. He, he goes on, verse 31. He says, Therefore, do not be anxious, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the Gentiles seek after these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. Right? It makes sense that non-Christians and people that don't know God are concerned about these things. It totally makes sense because they don't trust God. Right? But what he's saying is people who trust God, you got to be different. Your heart has to be different. The way that you think, the way that you even feel about hard and scary situations needs to be different because God's in control and you trust God. And if you do really trust God, you need to continually go back to that and remember that he's in control. He says, 
The Gentiles seek after those things. It makes sense non-Christians do, but Christians, in verse 33, he says, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Therefore, don't be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. Jesus mentioned a lot of things here. He said people are anxious about their lifespan, their health, their clothing, their money, their food, all those things, their, their, their future. Right? We can still be concerned about those things. Uh, people today are concerned about those things. And we need to just recognize that if that concern turns into a worry, which turns into anxiety, just realize that that shows that we're not trusting the Lord. You can't be anxious and trust the Lord at the same time. You can't be worried and afraid, yet at peace at the same time. Those two things, they have a hard time living with one another. We, one's going to win and the other's going to lose. And according to God's word, we need to let peace and trust in God and faith in God win, not anxiety or worry or fear. Back in the passage, back in Philippians chapter 4, he says, Don't be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. He says, don't be anxious about anything, but pray about everything. In English, it's a big, long sentence, but in Greek, it's funny because the first word in the sentence is nothing. It says, nothing be anxious about, everything pray about. That's how you got to think about it. Don't be anxious, be anxious about nothing, and in everything, pray about it. Point number two is this, go to God first with your concerns. Go to God first with your concerns. There's a lot of people who offer a lot of solutions to feeling bad, right? Um, People say go to therapy. People say talk to your friend. People say a lot of things. But just recognize that the person we need to go to first and foremost and the only one that can really solve the problem of worry and concern and anxiety is God. A lot of people can put a mask over it. You can do a lot of things to think about other things, but only God can solve the root issue, which is a lack of trust in him. He says, by prayer, supplication, and thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. Prayer, I think you know what that means. It means talking to God, right? Going to God about your situations, going to God with your concerns and telling him about your concerns. The other thing he says with supplications, what that means is asking, Really asking humbly, asking God, God, can you please help with this thing? God, can you please help with this situation? God, can you please help change my attitude? Really asking specific questions and and specific requests. The other one is with Thanksgiving. I think Thanksgiving in this passage is talking about our attitude. One one guy, one famous guy who wrote about this, he said, um, Thanksgiving is not thanking God in advance for the things he is going to do. That's not what he's talking about. He's talking about our humble attitude as we go to God. We're thankful just to talk to God and and we're confident and we have faith in God that he's going to do what he said in his word he's going to do, which is listen to us and care for us. Prayers, supplications, thanksgivings, let your requests be made known to God. Um, When you're fearful, when you're concerned, and when you're anxious about things, Go to God and don't just say, God, I'm worried. God, I'm struggling. God, I'm uh, fill in the blank. Don't just do that. Be specific. Notice he says it over and over. He says, let your requests be made known to God. Tell God what you want. Tell God what's on your mind. Just go, tell him. 
Right? There's a story in Luke chapter 18 about a person who was trying to get bread from his uh, neighbor, and Jesus uses this as like this um, this parable to say you got to go to God with boldness. You got to go to God with, with shameless asking and just saying, I'm going to ask God. Even if it's a big thing, maybe it's a small thing, I'm going to ask God. There's another passage in the New Testament that talks about worry and anxiety. Um, it's 1 Peter chapter 5, verses 6 and 7. Uh, it'd be great if you turn there really fast. 1 Peter 5, 6 and 7. I know I'm turning you all over the place, but uh, Peter says that we're not supposed to be anxious, but he he starts the, the verse about talking about our attitude when we go to God. To, to give him our anxieties. And that's that famous passage that says that we cast our anxieties on the Lord. So I want you to check it out. First Peter chapter five, I'm getting there, now I'm here. First Peter chapter five, verse six. It says, humble yourselves therefore under the mighty hand of God so that at the proper time he may exalt you, casting all your anxieties on him because he cares for you. That idea of casting it's the same word used in uh, Luke chapter 19, verse 35, um, on Palm Sunday, if you remember, when the people were throwing their robes onto the street so that Jesus and his donkey, they would walk on the top of those robes um, like a red carpet. That, that's, that's the same word. It's only used twice in the New Testament, um, Luke 19, and here, to cast, to throw. You can just imagine, take your anxiety, right? And let's just picture it for now as like a, a jacket, right? I have a jacket right here. Um, I'm gonna throw it on the camera. No, I'm just kidding. Um, I have a jacket right here. It's a bridge jacket. It's awesome, right? This is representing anxiety. Um, sorry, Pastor PJ, nothing about the bridge. But if you take it, right? You take your cloak of anxiety and you cast it on the Lord, you're throwing it on God. You're getting it off you and you're putting it on God. And when you pray, that's the idea, that you're taking your anxiety off of you and putting it onto God. And what he says here is that he cares for you. Take your concern, take your fear, and talk to God about it. Talk to God about it and trust that he cares for you. That's amazing that he's willing to take those things. I, I mean, I... I wouldn't want to take everyone's concerns. I wouldn't be able to handle it. If everybody you know, took their concerns and took them to me, and I'm sure you'd think the same way, if everyone took their concerns to you, you'd be overwhelmed and overloaded by it. But God is not. And that's amazing that he's willing to have you come to him and cast your anxieties and your fears on him and say, I don't want to be fearful. I don't want to be anxious or concerned. I want you to be in control and I, I trust you and I'm giving this to you. That's amazing that God's even willing to do that. We've got to take advantage of that. God cares for us, and he doesn't want us to be weighed down by anxiety or nervousness or sadness or depression or being scared in any way. He wants us to trust him. He wants us to pray. That's the solution, to pray. Um, if you're scared, if you're nervous, if you're sad, if you're lonely, if you're any of those things, pray. Go to God. Take those feelings to God. Talk to God about that. He's willing and he's ready to hear you and listen to you, which, which is amazing. He shouldn't, like, right? Do you, do you understand that? He shouldn't. He shouldn't need to. He shouldn't have to, but he does. Right? There's not a single thing that you could pray about that is too big or too hard for God to take care of. And at the same time, there's nothing too small or too insignificant that he would look at and say, that's, that's you know, below my level. Like, Take that to your mom and dad. Don't take that to me. Nothing. Right? Be anxious for nothing and cast your anxieties on the Lord. It's amazing that we're that He's willing to take that for us and that He's willing to even offer that to us. My fear is that He's offered that and so many of us 
never take him up on that offer. That maybe you've never taken God up on that offer. You've been fearful and anxious about stuff and you've just tried to shove it down and not worry about it instead of talking to God about it and letting him give you peace. I don't want that to be the case because the rest of Philippians 4, 7 says that the peace of God, that means peace from God. So God has peace and he possesses peace and he can give it to whoever he wants. That's the idea. Uh, The peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. God gives peace. It's God's peace to give. He's willing to give it. He gives it and it's better and more, it's, it's more powerful than even knowledge or understanding. It goes beyond that and it guards our hearts. And that idea of guarding is like um, military guards or, or jail guards who stand on guard protecting you know, the inside from the outside or the outside from the inside. They're, they're standing guard. Um, keeping one side from the other. What it's saying is the peace of God is like a shield that comes around us and guards our hearts and our minds. Uh, Our hearts in in the Bible are the the things that make the decisions. Um, And our minds are are obviously the things that think, that that make rational uh, thoughts. He says this peace guards our hearts and it guards our minds in Christ Jesus. Uh, Point number three is this. I want you to write this down. Point number three, um, trust God to give you peace. Trust God to give you peace. A lot of people trust a lot of things to give them peace. Some people just distract themselves to give them relief from being anxious about things. But God says, I want you to come to me and we'll deal with it. And then you can really eliminate it. It's the difference between solving an issue and, and really dealing with the root cause and just masking it. Right. If you're sick or whatever, um, you could take like Motrin or ibuprofen. Right. And it's great because it will mask your symptoms. It won't make you feel as much pain. It's a painkiller, but it won't deal with your sore throat. Right. You'll need to take other things and you'll need to rest and and, and recharge and do those things. Right. It's the same idea. Um, People can mask their symptoms or they can fix the root problem. God is the only one who can fix the root problem of anxiety and, and, and fear and even depression and being scared. He's the only one that can solve that. He gives peace. It's from him. Later in the passage, I think we're going to study it next week, it says, and the God of peace. So he's called the God of peace and he gives peace. The God of peace is able to do this. Uh, Peace that surpasses all understanding. The idea is it transcends knowledge. It doesn't mean that it's, it's more complicated than knowledge. It just means that there are times when facts and statistics and words are not very helpful, but peace is right? You probably know times like that. Maybe you've, you've experienced that. This peace from God transcends what makes sense, basically. That's incredible, and that's powerful. And God's peace is powerful. It says, and it guards our hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. I want you to realize that if you're really at peace with God, right? if what Romans 5.1 is true about you, that you've been justified and now you're at peace with God. If that's true, you shouldn't be anxious. We shouldn't be fearful. We shouldn't be um, sinfully concerned about our lives, our situations, our circumstances. It's just wrong because it shows that we don't trust the Lord. One of the ways that God can give us peace, and I want to give you some peace right now from God's word, is that God often points us back to his promises. If God is faithful and always keeps his promises and he's in control, 
then what we can do to find peace is go to God, talk to God in prayer, and also hear from God and hear what he promised us in his word. And I just want to give you four promises. Um, I just thought of on the top of my head that I want you to think through. Um, four promises from God that, that are meant to give us peace. The first promise is from 1 John 1, 9, which says, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Right, promise number one is God's willing to forgive you of your sin if you confess it, if you agree with God about it, and you go to him and you ask for forgiveness, he's willing to forgive you. Right? That's an incredible promise, that even if you sin today, God is willing to forgive you of that sin if you go to him and confess it and turn from it. Second thing I thought of, um, James 1.5 says, if any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God who gives generously to all without reproach and it will be given to him. You can go to God and ask him for wisdom. That's another thing that God uh, promises, that if we need wisdom, we can go to God in prayer, ask for wisdom, and oftentimes he gives us that wisdom by turning us to his word and he gives wisdom in his word. Another thing he promised Hebrews, 5, or Hebrews 13, 5 and 6 says, I will never leave you. I'll never forsake you. So we can confidently say, the Lord is my helper. I will not fear. What can man do to me? God's presence, God's continual presence. And the way that um, Jesus describes that in John 14, 15 and 16 is that he's going to send the spirit, God, the spirit, and he's the helper. He helps us. He comes alongside us and encourages us and spurs us on to do what God wants us to do. His presence is always with us, so we're never alone. Real Christians are never alone. The last thing, kind of taking us back to the beginning, but you know Jesus promised that he's coming? He promised that he's coming. And if you trust that promise, that can really help give us this peace of God, this peace from God. Revelation 22, 20. Jesus said, surely I am coming soon. Jesus promised that. We got to trust it. We have to trust him. And if we do, just like it says earlier in Philippians chapter four, the Lord is at hand. That's going to change the way we think about joy, the thing, the way we think about peace. Now, two weeks ago, the way we think about unity, and even what we're going to study next week, the way that we think about what we think and the things that we choose to think about. It totally changes that. I just want you to know that as Philippians 4 talks about anxiety and prayer, that the solution to anxiety and, and concern is going to God in prayer. Right? There's an old hymn that's really famous that uh, one of my favorite songs, it, it says this, what a friend we have in Jesus, all our sins and griefs to bear. What a privilege to carry everything to God in prayer. Oh, what peace we often forfeit. Oh, what needless pain we bear. All because we do not carry everything to God in prayer. Don't let that be you right now. Some of you are concerned about a lot of things. Some of you are concerned about your school. Some of you are concerned about what's going to go on with your family and your, and your parents' job and your finances. We carry needless pain. We carry needless worry because we don't go to God in prayer. I want to go to God in prayer right now and ask him to give us peace as we trust him this week. So let's go to God in prayer right now. God, we're so thankful that you are a God who keeps your promises, a God who's always in control. I pray that we would trust you. We recognize that when we're anxious and worried and concerned that we are showing our lack of trust in you. 
Uh, please forgive us of that as we turn to your word this week and think about it and um, look at what it says. I just pray that you would give us this peace that you promise, this peace that's from you, this peace that's supernatural, this peace that is going to guard our hearts and minds, this peace that surpasses understanding, that even when everything is bad and every situation is bad, and even when you don't change the situations, that you give us peace. I know that that's your will. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, and peace. Pray that we would exemplify that in the way that we trust you, the way that our attitudes are this week. I pray that we would not be worried or anxious, but that we trust you with our whole hearts. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.